Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Show number two here on this Wacky Monday. It's not Wacky Monday. It's actually 9-11. That's a very weird opening. My apologies, everyone. Um, show number two. That part is indeed true. Uh, and on this one, we're going to be going through, I hope, the rest of the top 50. We are through 36 names, and I realize that up to this point, we've been doing about four names per episode, but we're now in a part of the board where I don't think we need to go quite so deep on each player. I think it's more about, this is like, do I or don't I? A lot of these guys up to this point, they're Really interesting cases to be made for, against. I thought exploring all of those was, frankly, helpful in for you guys understanding how I think through these players, but also just kind of understanding how we end up with a player where they are. And I get it, you know, pick 36 to 37 is a very arbitrary cutoff. End of the third round, beginning of the fourth round is the actual band there. And... Okay, what does that even mean? And we've also talked about how the Bam Adebayo to Drew Holiday gap, which is an ADP gap of four between the 36th and 37th guys going in fantasy drafts right now. It's the biggest gap between any two adjacent ADP players on the board. And that that does play a role in it. But it just to me, after you get to this this big gap between Bam and Drew, where very few players go before that, and it happens, happens regularly, but not all the time, and then not that many of those players fall behind that gap, then you just get into this serious bunching. By the way, I lied to you. The Evan Mobley to OG Ananobi gap is also about four. That one's been sort of opening up. So there, yeah, there are other gaps in there, but and those help us in gaming out where you think players are going to go. But overall, I want to try to speed through some names. So, first things first, welcome to the show, everybody. Again, episode two today on this Monday. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I certainly hope that I'll see you guys over on social media because we just do more and more and more. The closer you get to the season, more social, and then in the season, there's a ton. That's a very big deal. Uh, so, again, that's at Dan Bespris. This show is simulcast. Um... It's traditionally an audio podcast. This is sort of your like old-fashioned fantasy NBA Today episode for Monday. We had that bonus mock draft in the morning. But I'm also going to be doing it on YouTube because it seems like a handful of people like that. It sort of rolls up views as the weeks go on. And I don't know. You never know what's going to stick with somebody. So we're doing it in both. But to those that are watching after the fact or live on YouTube, this show is not really designed for a YouTube audience. I will do my best to make it work for one, but you are effectively watching me record an audio podcast. I want to also remind everybody that today, after the lovely tech people at Sports Ethos extended the all-sport fantasy pass sale through the weekend, today is indeed the final day for that all-sport fantasy pass to be available to you for $7 a month. It's going up 
And it's on its way to 10. I know that's the landing place. I don't know if it's going to go to like 9 first and then 10 a little bit later. But either way, you're about to lose out on a really, really, really good deal. So if you're thinking about it, if you're contemplating the All-Sport Fantasy Pass, the NBA Fantasy Pass, this is the day to do it. Don't wait any longer. At some point, that sale is ending. It's supposed to be tonight. I think it's going to be tonight. And then tomorrow, you're going to be like, ah, Dan, couldn't you have... No, I'm not, I can't extend it another day. They've already done that a couple of times. Get it now if you're going to get it. This is the time. Save some coin. Otherwise, you'll be kicking yourself. Let's go ahead and just dive right on in, though. Uh, we left off Friday's episode at Bam Adebayo, who's sort of the last name in that 20-something to 36 range. And we pick up today with Drew Holiday. But what I want to do differently on this show than what I've done in the last few is that like, I don't want this thing to be a 45, 55, 65-minute podcast. I want this to be sort of the traditional off-season length. I'm going to be trying to do, because it's uh, 14 players, 37 through 50, basically on the ADP board, which stretches us from Drew Holiday uh, all the way to Brandon Ingram. That's the board right now. I want to try to do two minutes or less on each one of these players. So that's 28 minutes of analysis. Let's see if I can get it done starting now. Drew Holiday, currently with an ADP of 38.8, but actually if you slot it out sequentially, he's going 37th. Last year, he was number 39 on a per-game basis. 19.3 points, 5.1 rebounds, 7.5 assists, 1.2 1.2 steals, 0.4 blocks, two and a half three-pointers on 48 and 86 splits. The good news for Drew Holiday is that his free throw stroke came back. That's one of those weird things that we've seen vanish on players from time to time. His was not as good the last couple of seasons. In fact, as low as 76% last year. Three-pointers went up. Field goal percent went down a little bit. Other stuff didn't change all that much, although steals were lower than his career number. I don't know if that's a thing that's going to stick. I think we could probably assume they come back up a little bit. But you certainly can't put all your eggs in that basket. The Bucks like to give their guys about 14 to 15 games off per year. However, they get to that point, it's sort of different season to season. Sometimes it's due to injury. Sometimes it's due to rest. I'd be surprised if a relatively healthy Drew Holiday didn't play 65 games or more. Um... But, you know, crazier things have happened. I would also be surprised if he cleared 70 to 71 games this year. But again, crazier things have happened. Drew Holiday, in a nutshell, very safe play at number 37. His per-game rank will probably be between 30 and 45, which means you're probably not going to get a big hit. You're probably not going to get a big miss. But with your fourth-round pick, which is where we are, that's a really reasonable thing to do. Next one on the board, De'Aaron Fox, who's going again sequentially at number 38. His ADP is 39.4. Fox is coming off, by all accounts, the best damn season he could have possibly put together last year in Sacramento. Average 25 points, 4 boards, and 6 assists, with 51% shooting from the floor, 78% at the free throw line, which, again, for him is is an uptick. Only 1.5 three-pointers. He doesn't shoot from outside all that much. 1.1 steals, .3 blocks. More than anything, He was a force in the fourth quarter of basketball games. He also played in 73 out of his team's 82 ball games. was very durable last year, as were most of the Kings, the team that missed the fewest 
number of injury games from their key players of any team in the NBA. From a per-game standpoint, this for De'Aaron Fox is fine. This is where he elevated himself to last year. From a total standpoint, I am a little bit worried that he misses more games this coming year. It just doesn't seem conceivable that everybody on the Kings can be this healthy this long. It's remedial analysis, I know, just to say he's due. Someone on that team is due. Maybe is a better way to put it. Maybe it's not De'Aaron Fox. Maybe he does slip through. And if that's the case, great. Then he ends up being a hit again, like last year. He hit his marks. And again, playing those 73 games, he cleared them. He is a more of a punt free throw build point guard. Not that he's bad at free throws, but you expect to get an, a lift from your guard in free throws. He doesn't do that, so you'd have to make up for it with positions that aren't typically that great. He's also a low three-point guy at the guard spot, but a good field goal percent guy. So Fox tends to be a little bit more of a build kind of player, which is weird because he's not bad at any one thing. He's not a punt guy. He's a build guy. That's sort of a different thing. He's a build guy if you're thinking, I don't need three-pointers or free throw all that bad. Maybe you call him a little bit of a punt play in those, not because he's punting them for you, but because he, again, occupies a position on the floor, point guard, guard, where you expect to get positive contributions in those categories, and from him, you're not getting those. So, what does that mean? Would I take him at 39 or 38, whatever the hell I just said? Yes, but he's a guy you're pairing with other dudes that are in that same mold either after taking some big guys who block a ton of shots and rebound early and you want to try to shore up scoring, uh, or if you're just in a punt build, like if you're going Giannis and Sabonis or something like that, and then you're really praying for the Kings. But anyway, Jalen Brown is the next name on the board. He's with a uh, ADP of 40, but actually, again, sequentially, he's number 39. We're seeing him actually fall farther than that in most drafts, and that's fine. It's because he now has occupied a relatively boring seat at the fantasy draft board. And it's strange to think that because he scores a lot, so that wouldn't normally fall into that mix. But here we are, 26.6 points last year for Brown, two and a half threes, seven boards, three and a half assists, a steal and a half a block, a little bit I'm rounding a tad. 49 and 77 are the field goal free throw splits. Also kind of high turnovers for a guy who's not piling up the assists, but it can be a bit forgiven uh, given the nearly 27 points per game. For many years, I was not in the Jalen Brown business. I don't think that I'm still really in the Jalen Brown business, but he's typically, from what I've seen, going later than that 39 spot in drafts. Guys behind him, pretty consistently going before Jalen Brown, uh, Holmgren, Cade, Porzingis, I don't know if I'd go too far beyond that. Even Darius Garland, who's the next guy we're going to talk about. And so we're seeing Jalen Brown slip more towards the 42, 43, 44 range, which again, that's right where he was last year, 46. So that's like you're you're taking a walk again. It's fine, but it is a good place to grab some points in the fourth round. There aren't a ton of guys in the fourth round that are scoring 24 or more. And Jalen Brown was one of those guys. 26 and a half was, I mean, he, he, I'm looking around the board here a little bit. He might be the best remaining points guy 
for the rest of the draft, basically. Who unless you count Ja, but everybody else going behind him. I think he had the. I think he averaged the most points of anybody left at this point. Now, now there are some guys that got close, like Zion got close. He was right behind him at twenty six. Um, Bradley Beal was twenty three. Ingram twenty four and a half last year. It's not. It's not like it's a run out, but in terms of a guy that can also do a few other things, not kind of a one two trick pony. Jalen Brown is pretty safe. I feel like I'm not going fast enough. Darius Garland, whose Yahoo rank is 40, and he's getting drafted 40th. ADP of 41.1. Garland last year took a step back. 21.5 points, 2.7 boards, 7.8 assists is good, 1.2 steals and 2.43s. All that stuff is fine. Free throw number was good, 86% on almost 5 per ball game. Uh, But Donovan Mitchell took over the team. Garland scored 21.5 points per game. Folks that were hoping he would continue to surge forward saw him actually kind of slide back a little. He finished at number 50 on a per-game basis last year. Played in 69 out of 82 ball games, so pretty close to league average. Just a tiny bit better than league average. So I'll say this. like The reason he's going higher than his ranking last year, there are a couple. Number one, He's not a great turnover guy at this juncture of a draft. There aren't a ton of three turnover-per-game dudes going here. He's one of them. So an 8-cat, he's going to go ahead of 9-cat. I mean, we can even tell you exactly what that comparison was. 9-cat, he was number 50. 8-cat, he slid up the board. Uh, Where the hell did he go? As far as 37. So now you're right in front of that 40th pick. So 8-cat, this actually makes quite a bit of sense. 9-cat, he's probably a little bit behind it, but you're getting point guard stats out of your fourth rounder and admittedly there just aren't that many six or even really seven assist guys left once you wipe Garland off the board in fact I'd argue there are very few that profile as a seven assist basketball player maybe none Draymond was 6.8 Chris Paul obviously was up in the nines but his role is going to be very different could Spencer Dinwiddie get there Maybe like a Conley is 6.7, Tyus Jones. So there's a a couple, but not many. And I don't know that any are kind of the safe guarantee the way that Garland is. He's not a guy I'm targeting there. Um, And because there are so many big men that are going in the third round, and frankly, quite a few in the first, maybe there will be a need for a point guard at this juncture. And so that's why Garland gets a little bit of a bonus kick. Um, But does he beat this marker in 9-cat? Probably not. I'd say close, but no cigar. That's my official stance. Close without a stogie. Walker Kessler is next on the board. He's number 41. Again, I don't think I'm going as fast as I need to, but you guys don't care. We're not on a real clock. Uh, I saw Kessler go at 33, I think, in the draft earlier today, and if, you're, if your reaction to that is, how on earth... Well, that means that you didn't really watch him down the stretch last year because on the season, Kessler was number 57 in 9-cat in 23 minutes per game. Down the stretch, his minutes jumped to 29, and he was number 22 over that stretch. 12 points, 11 boards, 3 blocks. That's JJJ territory. In fact, he outblocked Jaron Jackson Jr. over the final 25 games of the season. And uh, awful free throw number, really the only thing that held him back from being a first-rounder like JJJ. But you know what? That is who he is. He's probably not going to magically become a 70% foul shooter overnight. 
46% is certainly an improvable number, but how much? Still, it's pretty amazing to think that he was number 22 with the bad foul shooting. So as much as I'd like to say that Walker Kessler is going to lay an egg here at 41, I don't know that he necessarily does. I think there's a very real chance this dude sits in that range. He could become a little bit sort of Rudy Gobert-like prior to this last season where, you know, you go back, forget 22-23, the 21-22 season, uh, Gobert was number 22. We're talking about Kessler right around there. Now, Gobert rebounded better. He was up near 15 boards a game, and he shot the free throw better. Shot a lot of them, so negative impact wasn't all that dissimilar. But was only at two and change blocks per game instead of three. One has to think the three blocks per game for Kessler does come back to earth a little bit. I certainly would think so. Um, and if you're worried about that, then that's a, a reason to maybe not take the plunge on Kessler here. Other reasons not to, perhaps you ended up with one of the six centers going in the third round. Perhaps you don't need one. This is a juncture, I think, in a lot of drafts where people need a guard and there are more centers going off the board. Um, if you somehow ended up with centers early, which, flip over to the page so we can make sure we see all those names. Like, it's almost hard to end up with not centers after three rounds, but, you know, let's say you're in that, like, Tatum, Halliburton, Shea, Steph range uh, in the mid early mid first round. And so then coming back in the second round, maybe somebody already took some bonus here. So you're looking at like maybe bridges or Desmond Bain, or if you're in games cap Roto, maybe you reach a little and go Kawhi. Suddenly you don't have a center after two rounds. It feels like in the third, you're almost guaranteed to get miles Turner, Vooch or bam, but I don't know. Maybe you don't. Then you're looking at Kessler. Cause you got to make up ground and boards and blocks fast in a way that some of our favorites later on perhaps can't quite get to that juncture. But it's hard to dodge all those centers early. I feel like almost every team is going to end up with at least one center through the first three rounds. And not because they're trying to, just because there are a bunch of them. It's like a little more than a third of the players are center eligible. That's a lot. So Kessler, I think, per game, he probably beats 41 is that where I put him here? Uh, totals, he probably beats it too. But there is a sort of team need thing going on there. So I like it, by the way. I don't think he's being... I, I was hoping he'd go later. I think that there's actually still room for him to even beat that. Not my favorite pick at this juncture. I will say that, though. Folks, using the internet without ExpressVPN is like forgetting to mute yourself on Zoom. And everybody hears you saying something embarrassing. Maybe about your boss. It might be harmless, I don't know, 98% of the time. But what happens if your boss is on that? Here's you making fun of their hair or saying something actually, like, legitimately bad. You don't want that. So everybody needs a VPN. Look. Your ISP, your internet service provider, they know every single website you visit. That's bad news for some of you who didn't know that that was a thing. And they can sell that information 
as a package to ad companies and tech giants, and then they use that data to target you. If you ever wonder why all the things you're looking at look like things you've already looked at, that's why. These sites are taking your information, and your ISP is too. So get a VPN. Get ExpressVPN because they put your information in an encrypted tunnel so that none of these places, ISPs, tech giants, whatever, they can't see your data, they can't sell your online activity. It's so easy to use. You boot up ExpressVPN, you click one button, and you're protected. It's the number one rated VPN by CNET and TechRadar, and it works on phones, laptops, routers even. So everybody that shares your Wi-Fi can get protected as well. I love ExpressVPN because it makes me feel safe and allows me to, well, look, I don't want to go too deep into this, but change my location for location-based services. That's actually pretty damn helpful. So protect your online privacy today by visiting expressvpn.com slash hoopball. I love that our old name still sneaks in there. Today, that's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash hoopball. And you get an extra three months free on your membership. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Go there today. Porzingis at 42, uh, which is exactly his ADP, 42.1. And again, you line him up by integers. He's going 42. I'm a little bit concerned about KP this year. Um, you know, we, he's, he's long been a top 20 per game guy just because of what he's able to do. 23 points, eight and a half boards, almost three assists, a steal, one and a half blocks, 50-85 were the splits last year and two three-pointers. He still is unicorn-like, but his job is going to be smaller in Boston. It just will. He was in Washington where Beal was the main competitor for usage. Kuzma, I guess, also put up a pretty big usage number. But, uh, you know, Tatum and Brown are ahead of him in the Boston pecking order. Could he still get close to the number of shots he got this year? Uh, yeah, I, but it's going to come down a little. 16 shots, six and a half free throws. It's just going to be lower. And so that's going to put him, uh, it's going to set him back a little bit. He's also got Horford and the Time Lord kind of breathing down his neck. If anything goes wrong, they can afford to have him miss more ball games. Last year, he was such a guaranteed win because he was going at 50, basically. And I know 42 isn't that far in front of that. And I also realize that he's a guy that's falling in drafts because of the switch to Boston, because of the injury history. Games cap Roto, early 40s, you probably still take a shot on him here. If you're not, if your team isn't too injury prone already, head to head, I don't, I think I'm probably passing. Despite the potential per game upside, there's just a ton of risk with him this year. Jamal Murray at 43. I'm mixed on Jamal at 43. He was 61 this year after after a very slow start. Uh. You kind of want to wipe a little bit of that out because down the stretch, and down the stretch, like last 30, 35 games, he was a top 40 player. And I think there's every reason to believe that he can kind of continue along that path in the 40 range. But I'm fading the Nuggets a little bit this season. Off the championship, you know, there's just not a huge reason for them to be pushing their guys super hard. I think Jokic misses a couple extra games. Jamal will miss a couple extra games. They're going to have a good regular season record, whether those guys are in there every night or not. So 
if you're taking a guy that you don't believe is going to be trying to play more than about 69 games in a season, you need them to be a huge per-game upside play. Like Porzingis, actually, is sort of an interesting case study here in this back-to-back. Jamal's probably going to miss some ball games, and he's getting drafted at 40, what did I say, 43 here? And what's the best case he beats that by? Like six slots? I just I don't think he's going to go that hard during the regular season. And I liked his play down the stretch, 21.5 points, seven boards, or sorry, me, seven assists. Yeah, you could see him scoring more than that, but that's just not the way the Nuggets play during the regular season. It's not all on Jamal and Jokic the way that they kind of pushed that direction in the playoffs at times. I shouldn't say all. They still, the Jokic way is getting everybody involved. But Jamal did hit more than his share in the postseason, and that's been the case for him every postseason he's been upright for. So I'm not a massive Jamal Murray fan at this spot. I just, I get it though. It's not a super easy draft area. It's not my, this is sort of a run of of indecision. Chet Holmgren is the next guy on the list at 44. Uh, He has a chance to be pretty awesome this year. Presumably he spent the last season filling out a little bit. Um, you know, he's a 14 and 10 guy in college. He averaged almost four blocks a game. That's just not going to be that way in the NBA, but I I think two, two ish feels attainable for him and he's good percentages with both. They're just like, there isn't a part of his game that's going to hold you back. So it feels like if he gets consistent minutes for the Thunder, that he should be able to walk into top 50 production. But the minutes are going to be a thing. Fouls are likely going to be a thing. There's all this stuff that he's going to have to conquer. So at 44, I'm probably not taking the Holmgren plunge with the guilty admission that he might get to this and he might beat it. It's almost like I'm skipping him because I know I'm Dan and I have a brand to uphold. I would love to take Chet Holmgren. I just, I, I think we can do, I think we can make moves here that don't involve trying to translate a college stat line to the NBA. The guy behind him is also not one of my favorite targets in this range, at least not on the Roto side. And that's Cade Cunningham, who is likely to take a nice step forward this year. Um, but, and remember, last season was sort of a wash for K. There's no reason to handicap him off of that. He was number 90 in his rookie season. Low field goal percent. I don't think that that's about to magically change. I guess it's possible he had all this time to work on his game. Good steals and blocks guy at the guard spot. Assists have a chance to go up, but they do have other guards on that team that are also going to be handling basketball. I think the big change for Cade from rookie season to this one is probably going to be scoring. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits 
then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. So that'll help with points, threes, free throw percent. Turnovers are going to be high. They have to be. So unless you're, again, kind of in build mode, I can't, I can't advocate Cade at this spot. If you're in build mode, he could make a lot of sense as a punt field goal guy that gets you nice defensive stats and sort of has like, he's basically a shooting guard, but with some point guard stat set stuff sprinkled in, a little bit more assisting than your average shooting guard, a little bit better defensive stats than your average shooting guard. But you guys know me. I'm a nine-cat guy, and I have to draft off of that nine-cat. But certainly, I have to talk to you about it. There's too many caveats to try to say, oh, well, Cade would be ranked this in this scenario. But the truth is, if you punted field goal or turnover that year, he goes a lot higher. He jumps like 40 slots. So, yeah, he is a 40-some-odd range guy if you're punting field goal and turnover. If you're punting just turnover, he jumps to like 60, and then field goal was like the next 15 to 20 slots for him. So each one does a big deal. So 8-cat, he's a lot better than 9-cat. I still don't think he gets to 40 in 8-cat. But if you're an 8-cat and you're also not attacking field goal percent, he very much makes sense at this spot. I'll be playing 9-cat. I'll be mostly playing Roto. I have some head-to-head leagues because I think they're important. He's a build guy. And Roto 9-cat, he's probably not going to hit his ADP. Five more names here. Evan Mobley is the first of them. I kind of faded Mobley last year, and there was a stretch where uh, Jared Allen was missing some games in the middle of the year where I thought, oh, this isn't going to work out for me. But it did. It worked out um, on the per-game side. By totals, Mobley was great. So counterbalance, I guess. Um, I don't see his role changing all that much. Season over season, he was right around top 50 per game last year, played in 79 out of 82 ball games. Taking him in the mid-40s feels very reasonable. He was going in the 30s last year, folks. You guys might remember that he was very early. Um, and he got there by totals. So, you know, big ups to Mobley on that front. But I just, I didn't see a big usage jump coming. So I didn't see the, okay, this is a guy who's going to leap, like, into the top 20 range. And I still don't think I really see it unless they move Jared Allen. But I, I don't think that's coming. Can Mobley fix his free throw number? That's the path to the next rung for him. And I'm just going to assume that he doesn't really fix it. But if it comes to you at 45 and you still need a center, I don't know how you could possibly, he's totally fine there. He's not a bad pick. He's not a great pick. Very fine. A lot of these names actually are kind of fine. And we'll go back and I'll kind of speed round it at the end. OG Ananobi is the next name on the board. This is 47. Yeah, this is, uh, this ADP is 48.4. There's a pretty big drop-off between Mobley and OG. Most folks don't think Ananobi is going to be able to get off to the start that he got last year, and that's why he was able to finish at number 27, because he was basically like a top 18 guy for the first three months before things did taper off a little bit. 
most notably his steals coming down from high twos to 1.9. His job is secure, so at least there's that. But, you know, this is one of those, like, what do I believe, first half or second half kind of things. He was outside the top 50, second half of the season, still very good, but not otherworldly defensively like he was the first half. He also tends to be a bit banged up. That makes me nervous. It wasn't significant bang up last year for him. What did he play in? 67 out of 82 games, but that kind of feels like a good number for OG. So, um, you know, I'm probably not going Ananobi here. I think I'd rather have the guys around him, like Mobley, um, even Holmgren, honestly. Uh, Jamal, Porzingis, Kessler, are the guys we talked about. And then I'd honestly like the guys behind him as well. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is the next name on the board, so I'm going to continue past Ananobi. DeMar was number 28, right next to OG last year, but his felt like a much more repeatable 28 because DeMar didn't really do anything that was new. In fact, you know, as you look back over a couple of seasons, DeRozan was 26 two years back uh, in the 20s again. This past, like, he's moved his way up the board with however the hell you want to see this thing shaking out. Slightly better passing. Uh, he's scoring more points in Chicago than he did in San Antonio, but the percentages have always been good. Now, even bad DeMar is still in that 40 to 45 range where. I guess bad OG is also kind of in that 40 to 45 range or 50 like we talked about second half last year. But I just trust DeMar to be standing. Even if he gets traded someplace, he's going to play. He's he's pretty damn durable on the whole. And that's got to count for something. DeMar played 74 games again this last year. I still can't figure out how the Bulls looked at that team and thought, well, our most our three most important guys were all almost very fully healthy this year and we still stunk. Let's run it back. But that's kind of what they've been doing. Anyway, I like DeMar. He feels safer to me than OG. Gets you a ton of points late fourth round. That's hard to come by. Um, And then Ananobi, a lot of it is the injury stuff for me. Like, I know the steals are awesome. The 1.9 steals, it makes him very elite in that category. And you're not going to find 1.9 steals, guys. Uh, Very few, we should say. Less than a handful the rest of the way. And you know, one of the comments in the YouTube chat room was talking about how he's kind of like the the block specialist, but for steals, sort of. You know, OG does a couple of the things out there. The 17 points aren't bad. The two threes aren't bad. The 7.7 blocks is actually decent for kind of a, a medium-sized wing, and then the percentages are also decent. Um, I just don't think he's going to be upright. Toronto scares me this year. Toronto as a whole scares me this year. So you got to be getting a big discounted price tag. You got to get clearance rate like Jakob Bertel if you want me to go dive in face first into Raptors stuff. Last two names we're going to talk about on today's show. Nick Claxton, who's going at 49, despite, and just strict rank board, he was number 24. He was a second rounder last year on the shoulders of hyper elite blocks and nearly hyper elite field goal percent. 
Terrible free throw shooter at 54, but he only took 3.2 of them per game. So you can sort of cover that up. And the fact that you're getting Amir at the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth, means that someone you took early should have given you a little bit of a buffer on free throw percent, whether it's, you know, your first rounder like a Steph or a KD or Tatum or Butler in the third or Kyrie in the second. You throw a few of those good free throw guys together, it kind of wipes out the Claxton effect. And you're getting a lot of what you got on Walker Kessler, but like 15 slots deeper in a lot of these drafts, at least one round in most scenarios. Um, Kessler probably out-rebounds Claxton this year, just kind of looking at the way things were down the stretch. But the other stuff is not going to be all that far apart, and you can get it at a one-round discount. So just something to think about. There are still more centers to look at, but... Claxton's one of those ones where even if I have a bunch of centers, I might do it just because it feels like he's going to be a pretty sweet value at 50. I mean, you'd have to see... You'd have to see field goal percent and blocks drop pretty hard for him to not beat top 50 again, which is a possibility, but I wouldn't say it's a probability. And then Brandon Ingram, last name in the top 50. By the way, I am going to talk about one or two names after that. I just They'll be quick hitters. Quicker than this, even... I want nothing to do with the Brandon Ingram experience. He was number 59 this last year. Yes, 25, 5.5, and, and 6 are fantastic on the popcorn numbers. 48 and 88, the splits, also very good. But once again, Ingram played just 45 ball games. His defensive stats have come all the way back down to earth after that one very weird year where I think there's conspiracy theorists would suggest New Orleans stat keepers were helping a little bit. Only 1.43 pointers. Um... You know, he's it's like Julius Randle with a better free throw percent. So I just that's those guys. I don't I don't like that fight. And I really don't like it when the dude isn't durable. At least with Randall, he plays. Ingram is out all the time. He's out. No thank you. I want nothing to do with that experience. A couple of names in the next like 10 to 15 picks that I'm eyeballing is interesting. Uh Zach Levine who's going technically 51st. Uh, you know, the only fear there is a Chicago plug pulling. He's a top 50 per game guy. He's frankly a lot like Brandon Ingram in stats, the way they, they put up pretty similar numbers actually. Um, but Levine tends to play in significantly more ball games and hits more three-pointers. So that's the direction I lean there. He also, uh, Levine's a guy that was going in the 20s, 30s last couple of years. The fact that he's now in the 50s suddenly makes him kind of appealing again. Jordan Poole in the 50s is something that I would consider. It's not my favorite play. I just wanted to throw his name in there because everybody was wondering what I'm doing. Maxi, as he falls near 60, is something that I'd really consider taking a shot on. I faded Maxi last year. I was one of the very few. That was one of those ones that we sort of like kind of sneaky got right. He finished at 77 and missed a ton of ball games. Uh, but I like him this year. After fading him last season, I'm I'm coming back the other way. Jared Allen uh, going around 60 is a gimme. That's a tap-in. I know he doesn't have the block numbers of some of these other centers, but he was number 33 last year despite only 1.2 blocks per game because his rebounding is great, his field goal percent is great, his free throws are not as bad as some of these other shot-blocking centers. Uh, there's just a lot to like about Jared Allen as a, a another cheap center. Rudy Gobert right behind him. 
you know, troublesome free throws. That's the thing that separates those guys. But I thought Gobert was about as bad as he could have possibly been last year. And uh, he was still number 58. I, I don't know how that gets worse. I know Cat was out for a while, but, like, I thought Gobert was a total fish out of water. And I've got to think that things improve for that team if they have any desire to make these things work. Uh, a couple other sort of at-random names. Chris Paul, who's sort of going near 70 in a lot of drafts. We heard word that he's likely going to be in the starting lineup for the Warriors. Goofball decision, but that dude blindfolded can go inside the top 70 in per-game numbers. He almost doesn't need to do anything. Um, Jeremy Grant in the 70s. Definitely a shot I would take if we hear that Dame is getting moved. Same story for Anthony Simons. Mitchell Robinson, Clay Thompson, Tyus Jones... These are and Jakob Pertle. These are a lot of names that I like, kind of in that that sixty to one hundred range uh, as players that I'm looking at. But I don't want to get I don't want to go uh, too far out in front of our our skis on this one. We'll have other shows where we'll dig into some of the later stuff, and I'll probably call it sleepers or something buzzy because I got to get you guys to actually click in and listen to the damn thing, um, and that's what I'll have to do. But for now. Please, friends, again, check out the Fantasy Pass over at sportsethos.com. If you're listening on traditional pod channels, drop a five-star review on this thing on iTunes. The uh, podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device would do the trick. Or Spotify, and if you're watching along on YouTube, the simulcast, you're just watching me record an audio show. Cool. I mean, if that's a good way for you to spend some of your day, make sure to like and subscribe. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll have so much fun together over the next... Uh, forever, actually, is the uh, is the number on that one. A couple of quick questions from the YouTube chat room here, because why not? It's the end of a show, and I've got a couple of minutes before uh, my youngest kid gets home from school. Dem Bird says, I'm on my blocks rant again. A hard pass on Kessler this high. I'll take Gobert or Mitchell Robinson later. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with that assessment. There are centers everywhere in this draft. It's a two-center league world again, friends. And we're all just living in it. QQWW says Chet Holmgren will have a defensive player of the year block rate. Um, yes, that's clever wording, QQWW. He will probably have a, a defensive player block rate. The question is, how long will he be able to last on the court on a nightly basis? And I'm thinking it's not as high a number as everybody's going to want it to be. Uh, let's see. Better, here's one last one, and then we'll wrap things up. Better use of a pick in the seventh round than getting a specialist like Kessler in the... Oh, that's a follow-up to the previous one. Sorry, I, I, I goofed on that one. Maybe I'll edit that out. Maybe I won't. Either way, thanks for uh, hanging out with us, everybody. Um, again, if you guys want to throw your own questions in a chat room, just make sure to subscribe to our YouTube page because I'm, I'm doing a lot of this stuff as simulcast these days. Even if, like, from an actual entertainment standpoint, just me yelling into a microphone with a picture of some player names next to my head is not terrific. I'm hoping, by the way, I can upgrade my computer pretty soon and maybe we can get a little green screening in so it's not just my old draft board. Also, I'd love to not continually have to take this poster board in and out of the side of a bed frame. All class. I'm at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Again, Fantasy Pass. Going up in price. Last chance to get it here at that sweet, sweet lower rate. Um, like, subscribe. Five star. I don't know. I lost track of what the hell I was talking about. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll talk to you all again tomorrow.